Hello, I'm Simon Constable, contributor to the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and other leading publications. Welcome to our podcast series on digital transformation. This audio series offers advice and insights from a range of corn ferry experts on the talent management areas that are crucial for organizations to get right in order to successfully digitally transform. Today's podcast focuses on getting the right talent for the digital age. Succeeding in the digital world means that organizations not only need the right strategy for their business, but also the right talent to execute and deliver on the vision. Today's speakers are Melissa Swift. She is Associate Client Partner and Lead for Digital Solutions Development at Corn Ferry Hay Group globally. And we've got Jeroen van Dovenbode, Managing Director for Corn Ferry Hay Group in the Netherlands. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you, Simon. It's a pleasure. So, Jeroen, let's start with you. Once an organization has defined a need to transform their business in response to the challenges and opportunities of digital, how do they know what type of talent they will need to deliver on that strategy? Yeah, Simon, that is a very relevant question today, and I believe also tomorrow. A very recent uh, Corn Ferry study revealed that nearly half of today's companies are changing their business models today, and they better do so. Um, and that changed business model often requires new capabilities to be developed. And you can ask me, so capabilities, what do you mean? Basically, it is what does the organization to do differently in order to be successful in the digital sustainable uh, environment? Um, an example could be how can a company move to a multi-channel uh, sales organization uh, uh, rather than becoming a single-channel uh, one. It often requires and involves uh, uh, new ways of looking to organize the organization, but also new roles and talents. Uh, so knowing your new capabilities is crucial. Um, that will drive, in the end, the talent that you need in order to become successful. And Melissa can share uh, a whole lot about uh, what specifically that talent is needed. Thank you. So if we think about the talent side, kind of there's, there's two pieces to it, right? Number one, the concrete skills. And I think sometimes in the digital environment, this gets a bit mystified as to what are these mysterious digital skills. And in reality, you know, they're very concrete things, um, such as being able to deploy data for better decisions or being able to drive innovation. And actually, the overarching categories are the same, we believe, across a wide variety of digital roles. The devil is in the details about which category gets emphasized more or less for a particular role, a particular context, what might be emphasized now versus later, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, you drive on down into kind of the micro skills that change literally at this point month to month. The second piece is really around kind of the psychological profile of these individuals. And this is where we've gone into our database of the 4.5 million assessments to try and understand for the most sought after digital folks, uh, what does their psychology look like? And it's very interesting. You know, these are folks who are very willing to take risks. They're highly adaptable. They're curious. Uh, they're good at ambiguous environments, uh, but they also tick the boxes for what we would consider some, you know, very standard leadership skills around strategic vision or engaging and inspiring others. Melissa, how unusual is that sort of um, person in the workplace today? It's a fantastic question. I mean, it's it, when we look at metrics like learning agility, something we think would be very important for this kind of an individual, organically in the population, those the incidence is relatively low, something like 15%. Um, so th this is where we kind of look at, you know, what is a good team approach? 
So how can you bring in a team of folks, some of whom might be great at managing ambiguity, others might be great risk takers, um, you know, and not necessarily putting the pressure on a, a single individual, because the reality is some of the most sought after digital traits are organically very rare. It's also worth thinking about if you can get folks who have some but not all of, you know, let's say the idealized portfolio, how can you then develop them uh, to bring them closer to that sort of vision of what good looks like for digital talent? And Melissa, let's stick with you for the next question. How do you attract people identified as, as what you need to come to your company? Because just because you want them to come doesn't mean they will. It's a great question, and this is something I spend a lot of time talking to clients about because employer brand has all of a sudden become a massively hot-button issue. And for those of us you know, who remember the dot-com era, it's a bit of a replay of that scenario where – you know, let's say industrial companies or financial services companies find it really tough to compete with, you know, the Googles of the world on employer brand. And it's interesting because they want it, we want them to think about it in kind of a, a deeper way. I think there's sometimes there's a stereotype of let me throw a foosball table in the corner and everything's going to be fine and all these millennials are going to want to come work for us. And the reality is that it's, it's a very different model that digital talent is really seeking out. Um, one, you know, more around being able to learn different skills and being able to grow in certain ways uh, and not the traditional up-the-ladder career progression. And I think Jerome actually has some interesting kind of examples from client experience on this. Yeah, like you said, uh, Melissa, uh, the, the competition for these uh, rather scarce talents is, is fierce nowadays. It seems like every company is looking for the same, the same people in the set with the same qualifications. And as a company, you need to be able to uh, to 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 make yourself uh, stand out in that in that war of talents. What I've been seeing uh, working with my clients is that they spend a significant amount thinking on what the actual propos the proposition it is that their company can offer to the potential candidates. And uh, they do that by, by researching uh, in detail what are the preferences of the talents they, that they need. And, and like Melissa said, uh, it, it can be a soccer table, but often it's more than that. Uh, what I do see with, with, with the companies I'm working with, they, they spend an, a, a huge amount of time really understanding what drives the talents that, that you would like to, to hire within your company. The use of data also in this uh, aspect of doing business is, is becoming more and more uh, more important. Um, what we typically come across, what, what talents, digital talents really appreciate is, is the opportunities to, to really develop themselves and be involved in really interesting and challenging uh, 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 projects. They like the freedom to act um, they like uh, to work for a company with a purpose and where they can be many entrepreneurs. These are all elements that companies will take and into their uh, into their employee value proposition with which they go to market and trying to attract this uh, rather scarce uh, talent. Um, and last, uh, uh, it's, I think it's important that what, what we see happening is that companies are also using modern technology to acquire people. I think if you want to hire digital talents, you should also use all means available to the, in today's technology uh, area. Um, thank you, Joran. I want to loop back with Melissa. Something, Melissa, you said that you're looking for people who maybe don't want to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, one of the things that Steve Jobs is uh, supposed to have said is that when we hire people, we don't hire them to tell them what to do. We hire them so that they can tell us what to do. How ready are organizations for that? 
it's, there's a fascinating clash going on right now. If you think about how organizations have been built over the last, let's say, 10 or 20 years, reacting to trends like greater risks, greater globalization, greater complexity, you now have these, these highly structured, globally matrixed organizations that are not well set up to then take the suggestions of digital talent kind of appearing on their doorstep and telling them how to do business differently. And it's interesting. It's not that they're structured wrong for digital. It's just that they were structured right for kind of the previous era. So a lot of conversations are going on right now about how can you create, um, it's almost in some cases kind of reverse onboarding in a way of not what you need your talent to do to adapt to your organization, but what is your organization going to do to effectively be more permeable to the change your new talent will bring in, which has two good effects, right? One, retaining them, um, which is important in an era where we're seeing for digital talent sometimes sub-20% retention rates. But also, uh, number two, making sure the change you want to happen happens because you've brought in the right people to do it. But if they're then not able to kind of penetrate a very solidly structured culture, uh, you don't get the change you're looking for. Jaron, how do you upskill people so they have what it takes to thrive in this in this new world? Yeah, that's a very good question because you spent uh, a significant amount of time and 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 money to to get these people on board. Um, uh, and once they are there, uh, you most likely will want them to uh, to further develop. And uh, and probably the people you hire or within your organization will have that same ambition uh, because everything you know today is uh, is outdated tomorrow. So development is key. Um, I've had a great I've, I've had a great experience with a client here uh, based in Europe. It's a, it's a, a multi-country uh, telecommunications company that we're working with for uh, for many years now. And they basically ask them themselves the same question: So how can we become digital ready for the future? And what they did they they embarked on a on a company wide initiative to to really gather the data with their people so on where they are in terms of skills and capabilities uh, like the ones Melissa told uh, earlier during this uh, conversation and they did a company-wide uh, assessment there's many tools and ways to gather the data on the the current state of the skills and capabilities the people uh, you have within your organization and if you compare that with what you actually need in terms to be successful in the future, um, you can you can uh, create um, uh, significant amounts of input on on where are your gaps, and, and that can be on 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 any kind of competency or knowledge or skill that you that you can imagine. And um, um, uh, uh, this specific company uh, used the data and the outcomes of this of this uh, wide assessment process. Uh, to drive and uh, first of all identify, but then drive uh, specific and targeted development programs uh, for their people, uh, where they were really offered the opportunity to uh, to make a step up in the uh, in the in the digital space. The skills and competencies may become obsolete in a rather uh, quick manner and a, and a fast pace. So it is an ongoing process for for companies, but also for employees. To stay up to, up to date with the with the the needed to know uh, knowledge and skills, so it's an ongoing process. It's not a one uh, one trade uh, one trade effort. So that's a, that's a great segue for my next question, which I'll, I'll go to Melissa for. When we think about these competencies and capabilities that you know you and me and the rest of us are going to need to have, what should organizations look for when they're trying to get that pool of talent in? 
So there, there are three things that I would really point to. The first is being very thoughtful about generalists versus specialists. Again, another secular business trend that we've seen over the last couple of decades, right, there's, there's been sort of the rise of the expert, that specialization has become more and more important and expertise has become more and more important. And don't get me wrong, you still need a lot of experts, but there's also this need in the digital environment of people who can pivot and turn on a dime, work on one technology, then work on another, work on one business issue, then work on another. So organizations in framing up roles will need to sometimes step away from that linear expertise model and step back and say, okay, what am I willing to trade off to have somebody who is more intellectually flexible, that I'm willing to trade off, you know, X points of expertise to have that flexibility. A second point would be, you know, again, really looking very thoughtfully and probing thoughtfully for mindset. So for things like curiosity or tolerance of ambiguity or, you know, the ability to really be adaptable. Um, all of these things are, are critically, critically important. The ability to take risk, even for very frontline talent, you know, some of these traits that you might have thought of as kind of top executive abilities, even at the front line in the digital environment, they become very important. Finally, the third piece is kind of some of the things that you might not expect or you might not think about, um, particularly around what motivates the right kind of people. So again, when we looked at our, our data uh, for the most sought after digital leaders, um, one of the things that really came through is they are very strongly motivated by independence and by challenge and very demotivated by structure, even as compared to other top leaders. And this is kind of a, a major point for organizations, again, that are quite highly structured as the world becomes less structured. How do you seek out and then accommodate individuals who are not motivated by structure? Um, and one final point that organizations might not consider that comes through very strongly in our data is that you want folks who have a certain degree of confidence. And it sounds like an, a kind of an obvious point, but when you think about an ambiguous environment, what gets people through ambiguity very solidly oftentimes is a solid core of confidence. And again, that stretches all the way from the C-suite down to the front line. And that sounds like it's a major challenge to actually get people to stay with a company. So, Jerome, how, how do you do that? How do you retain those key digital ninjas? I think um, uh, uh, leaders of companies today are are facing a uh, significant challenge to to create an environment that really helps the digital talents to unleash their full potential. And there's, I think, a couple of of remarks to make on that. And, and, and being aware of cultural differences across the globe, because there are differences in the way that companies typically work and are led by by leaders. I think in general in general terms, you can say. Um, fostering a culture through the leadership that is really um, uh, encouraging innovation is providing a safe environment for people to experiment, to make mistakes, um, uh, to, to, to try things, to make faults, step up again and try again without being under the scrutiny of, of punishments or performance management or, or what have you, but allowing them the freedom to, to, to do things differently than companies are typically used to do, I think is a, is a crucial element of, of, uh, of a, a culture uh, that, is, that is attractive for digital, uh, digital talents. Um, we see many examples of companies um, trying to structure their work, to, uh, to use the word structure uh, in a certain way, uh, in more agile ways of working. Uh, 
Uh, I recently had a conversation with a company here in the Netherlands, and they say just by changing our way of working, improve the output of our software development department by a factor of, of 200%. By just organizing work differently, so also from a structure or process perspective, there's many ways you can do to give the talents the room to really maneuver and do what they are best. And um, so it's, it has both a, a cultural leadership aspect as well as a structural uh, uh, aspect. I've got to ask you about money, though. How how much does money play a, play a role in this? Because it, it is why people go to work. And oftentimes, you'll get managers saying, oh, yeah, I just if I had a bigger budget, no one would leave. Is, is that really as, as true as some people would think? Uh, I think that it's hard to say there's one generic answer to that. I think uh, money does matter. I think for the typical digital talents, they're looking for opportunities to develop. I think uh, compared to traditional workers, so to say, they are they are less attached to companies, so they will seek out newer opportunities to develop themselves. Uh, money plays a part in that, specifically in in companies that are in early stage of their development. The role of of being allowed or granted equity is of course very attractive to uh, to digital uh, digital talents, but it's not the one number one motivator for people to join or stay within companies. I would also add uh, one kind of high ROI solution that we've seen uh, for organizations that don't want to kind of get into a, a compensation arms race for digital talent is to really look at career pathing and to be able to offer, you know, as Jerome's saying, these kind of more fertile opportunities to do things like cross-train and really, you know, sort of build out skill sets. Um, that can often be just as, as powerful a retention tool as just, you know, continually escalating on the compensation side. So, you know, there are also things you can do that are clever around um, how you might restructure, um, you know, let's say things like quarterly bonuses or things like that to be a bit creative. But at the end of the day, I think we fundamentally believe culture and career paths are, you know, kind of the right answers. Thanks for listening to our podcast on getting the right talent for the digital age. Please check out the rest of the podcast in this series on Corn Ferry's digital sustainability microsite. Goodbye from all of us. Thank you very much. Thank you and goodbye.